Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, everyone. This is Lady J here at the Love Court saying, hey, it's June the 20th, 2014. We are halfway through this year, and I am here because I am excited. We are going to be revisiting and opening up a show that we started some time ago with the Unspoken Experience and its founder, creator, Garrison G. Rozier III, G3. Again, it's called The Unspoken Experience. I'm going to let him explain to you what that really is because I usually tend to go all over the place with it. And I'm not going to do that today. This is Lady J here at the Love Court saying welcome again. And I am, again, excited for all of you who have been following me for several years and for listening to the many different shows that we've had, the conversations. And this is a show about music about the history of all kinds of music, and I'm hoping that this time this platform is going to branch us out into some other things. I like to find out not only, I like for them to talk about being the child prodigy. I like for them to talk about what it's like, like to live as a child prodigy, somebody who's born with a special gift that they had to find some ways on how to live in that space. I want them to talk about the unspoken experience and where it came from and what it's all about. Its mission and its vision. Its mission meaning what is he doing? What is he? How does he do what he does? And then his vision. How does he see the unspoken experience happening in the world today? So I'm glad that you guys have joined us, and we're going to um, start our conversation with Garrison G. Rozier, the third, the founder, the master musician of the unspoken experience in a moment. Thank you. 
Okay, let's see what's going on here. Not sure what's going on with the show today. Let's let's see if we can get back. All right, there it is. There it is. There it is. Okay. All right. Again, this is Lady J here at the Love Court saying welcome. We're about to interview Garrison G. Rosier the Third the master musician and founder, creator of the Unspoken Experience. And so as we are now some of our technical difficulties, we hope that you are here and you're excited, as excited as I am to have this conversation, to have him restart his show again. We're going to interview him. We're going to find out when he's going to be beginning his show, how he's going to, um, when he's going to, what he's going to be doing, what his platform is for his show as well, his radio show. So just hold on one more moment and we're going to be interviewing the spoken experience. Hello Garrison. How are you doing today? I am doing great. Thank you. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> So, um, you're back, huh? We, we're going to get you back. We're going to get back. We're going to get to hear some more of your fabulous created creations, your music, and what's going on. So, we're going to, I'm going to do something a little different this time as we prepare for your show to launch. Um, let's talk about, I want to talk about some things maybe other folks may need to understand and know about, such as you are a child prodigy. We'll talk about that a little bit, and we want to talk about the unspoken experience again for those over the years who may not have heard the story and the beginning of your unspoken experience um, music um, business program, however you want to enable it, and you can let us know what that is, and we're going to do that. So we'll just go ahead. Tell us a little bit. First, tell us a little bit about you, yourself, your person, yourself, where you're from, and then go into the whole how growing up as a child prodigy, how that is and was for you. Okay. Uh, well, I originally uh, am from South Jersey, the southern part of uh, of New Jersey. I was born and raised there for about 16 years of my life before I uh, moved to the West Coast, and, uh, Phoenix, Arizona. Um in Phoenix, Arizona, was something pretty extraordinary. It was a whole lot of fun. Um, I was uh, a East kid and a '90s teenager, so uh, 
it was fun. You know, I had a really great childhood. I really can't complain. Um, even though, you know, things happened with my parents and there was a separation and a divorce, which really rocked my world in some areas. Outside of that, you know, chunk of my life, I had a great childhood. I had friends and a regular childhood, birthday parties and schooling and, and, and all that other excitement. Uh, siblings that I grew up with who are um, the foundations of my life, my two sisters and my brother are uh, three amazing people. Um, I arrived on the planet first, and they soon <laughs> followed after. And uh, uh, cousins and, and, and friends, like I said before, and acquaintances, just I had a great childhood. You know, it, it's funny now because at a time, some time ago, I didn't think so. Wow. I thought that my childhood was rough and tough and terrible because I defined it by a particular moment in my life. Um, however, that would be unfair to the rest of my life. Wow. To say that I would, you know, that it, to, to label it that. I had a great childhood. I really did. And uh, uh, so, yeah, no no complaints. Things didn't go how I had planned and how, how I wanted it to go. However, that's a whole lot of other people's complaint, and I'm not going to live there and stay there anymore. You know, I... Um, I, ha- I had a great time. I really All did. All right. Okay, let's talk a little bit about your child prodigy experience, because not too many people are born that way. And define what that is. Well, you and know what? Share, and share, you know, how you felt about being labeled that and how you felt about yeah. the whole idea of it. Being 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 labeled a child prodigy was weird and strange because as a child I didn't know what it meant. I didn't have anybody that I could identify that had that going on. It um and and because I didn't grow up in an atmosphere and in a and in a home that labeled me that, I didn't know what that was. You know, all I knew was that there was something different about me when it came to music, and I had people around me that nurtured it, that told me that it was okay, that you weren't weird and weren't strange, and it was fine. You know, this is who you are. This is how God has made you, and just keep. Keep going on with that. Um, it wasn't till later that somebody mentioned it to me that that you have a this child prodigy thing with music, and I just looked at him <laughs> sideways like, "What are you talking about?" Doesn't you know? I mean, you know. And, and then, and, you know, as I grow older, I, I realize that not everybody grew up the way that I did. You know that 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 wasn't the case. Uh, so. Um, you know what, I ain't going to lie, I, I still struggle w- with that. You know, if somebody wants to call me that, then fine. I do not label myself or call myself that at all. Well, I well, let me just interject for a quick moment. A child prodigy is a person who at an early age develops one or more skills at a level far beyond the norm, okay, for the age. Okay. And basically a child prodigy has to be a child under who is 18 years and younger, who's performing at the level of a highly trained adult in a very demanding field of endeavor. So basically I would say, you know, I'm going to just say that's I believe. You know, that's what you were doing. You had developed at a very early age some very incredible skills 
considering, you know, what most people have to go through in training. So when was the first time you can recall that you were called the child prodigy and why? Uh, oh, wow. Um, the first time that I can recall as of this moment of of being in that space, there was a local, and when I say local, I mean it was literally right around the corner from where I lived, there was a music program that was put on by several prominent educators in our city, and um, it was uh, the the idea to go to this place and the opportunity to go to this place was given to me by a friend of my mother's who said, hey, they're meeting over at this particular church in the basement, and they're teaching saxophone and piano and dance and this, that, and the other, perhaps your children might want to be a part of that. So at the time, I had was two years into learning how to play saxophone and was interested in the piano and said, you know, this is something that I might want to do. At the time, I didn't know that it was going to take up my Saturdays, which at the time <laughs> I was very upset about because I'm a child and a kid, and after working all week, yes, working so hard all week at school, <laughs> then I had to give up a Saturday out of a out of four Saturdays to go down to this school and sit there with my saxophone and learn how to play scales and learn about music theory. And I'm like, this is the worst thing that has ever happened to me. What did I sign up for? However, in retrospect, I am happy that I was made to do it because it taught me discipline. And it was the first time that I realized that I was different than the rest of my friends and the rest of the people that I was hanging out with, even at a very early age. Because when I was done schooling and I would walk home, they would say, hey, Garrison, where you been at? Oh, I'm at this school learning to play saxophone and this and the other. And they would look at me and go, okay, that's cool. Can you come out and play? So it was just a really, you know, quick finish to a conversation they just didn't <laughs> – they couldn't connect with it. Like, you know, who cares? Can you come out and play? Wow. So – um I honestly did not hear the word prodigy. However, I knew that I was being treated differently. I had several opportunities as a young man under the age of 13 to um, show off and expand and learn and, and, and the gift that I had in music. I was passionate. I, I knew I was different. I had a gift. I heard and I saw music differently than people around me. And it was nurtured as best as it could be nurtured at the time. And um, I am very thankful for it now because it gave me the opportunity to stretch out and to do things that I didn't have an opportunity to do as a child. So it was a lot of fun. Okay. Well, okay, for those who don't know, my listening audience, for those who don't know, Garrison is my oldest son. And so me and my eldest son, I saw Garrison grow up in this gift of his. And one of the things I want to talk about, Garrison, do you recall when you were around four, five years old, quizzing me about music that you would hear on the radio and asking me what instruments they were using? Yeah, I remember because I couldn't do it with Dad (laughs) because (laughs) – he would just he just like, okay, whatever, kid, you know. I mean, he wasn't being mean. It's just it's just something that wasn't that. My father is a, is a singer, 
And even though he had, you know, aspirations as a child to be a musician, it was the musician part that attracted me to music. It wasn't the singing part, even though I was taught and and I can sing. It was the instrument part that really attracted me. So I would quiz him on instruments, and he he would give them to me, and that was about it. But it was hours of that, and I couldn't do it with my siblings who were a lot younger than me because two of them couldn't talk, and the other one wasn't interested in music like I was. So the only person that I felt that I could quiz uh, anybody was was my mother. So you got the brunt end of <laughs> me, you know, doing the whole quizzing thing, like, hey, woman, do you know what that instrument is on the radio? And you would look at me and go, this and that, and, and, and you know, and it, you know, so, I mean, you were the only one. I, I couldn't do it at school. And I drove, and I'm sorry, I was picked up from the inner city to the suburbs in Jersey to go to school at a private school. So the kids that I was sitting next to in, in class and on the bus, I would talk about music, and their eyes would glaze over. And I'm like, okay, so I can't. So where where, where can I talk to people about my passion and my happiness and what I like about music and the only person that I knew that I could do that with was, was mom's. So <laughs> mom got the run in of it. And so, yeah, I definitely remember. Well, what I found so fascinating was that you would hear a song and then you would ask me what instruments were they using to play this music. And I'm like, really? And, okay, now I begins. I recall one time in particular, and I would go, um, drums, piano, um, Okay, and one time I said guitar, and you said, is it a bass guitar or a lead guitar? I'm like, what? You're only four. Why are you asking me questions like that? And how would you know? How are you hearing these instruments preschool age and asking me questions like that? And I recall when you were a little boy, little toddler, you had trucks and airplanes and trains and all the things that little boys had to play with. You never played with them as trucks and planes and airplanes and trains. You you turned them into instruments. You would line them up, and the top of the train would be the piano, and you would take the airplane and hold it up to your mouth, and it would be what you would blow on. And even you even have a photo of yourself where you're blowing into this plastic. And the plastic, at the end of the plastic, was a little wheel that was attached to your car seat so you could pretend you were driving. You were blowing into that. You were just this guy who was interested. You came out interested in music, interested, interested, not just in songs, as most children are, with music. So I just wanted to just let folks know that a lot of times when we talk about child prodigies, I mean, there is something immediately within that baby, that toddler, that lets you know that their brains and their interests and their creative juices flow on a whole nother direction, on a whole nother level than most children who are just simply curious and maybe even be very, that might be very intelligent or bright about a thing. So is there anything else you want to share about that whole child prodigy um, yeah, before my, we move on? Go yeah, ahead. My interest in music at the beginning wasn't so that I could play an instrument. I was interested in how music was made because I found it fascinating, even at a young age, that this that music would come out of speakers and what and you know of course I'm young enough for music to have been played on a tracks and on a record player and in a 
cassette player that music would, would come out of these speakers, whether in a car or in a house, and it would change the atmosphere. I, I didn't have the vocabulary to explain it, but I knew that there was a difference when, when, when music was played. So I was never interested in who was playing it. That didn't happen until later on, but I was interested in how music was made. So my interest and attraction to music as a young man was about how it was made. That's why I would quiz my mother on music, because I was like, okay, so it's made this way, and it's made that way. So interestingly enough, I didn't become attracted to playing music and playing an instrument until I picked up an instrument and realized that I had the ability to do that. Okay, well, let's go into that. What was the first instrument you played? What did it feel like? Can you recall what it felt like? And then when you started to play music, hear a tune, because I recall now setting you up with some lessons, and the teachers would be frustrated because they would play the song and you would play it. You would never, I, we had to find a way to force you to read music, to read the notes. Talk a little bit about that. The first instrument that I was attracted to to play was saxophone. I was very blessed and fortunate to go to a private school in the early 80s. And at this school, um, they started a program that every student in the school could play an instrument. And so we went down to the gym and there were these instruments lined up and everybody had a chance to walk around the gym and point and ask what instrument do you want to play what instrument do you want to play so i walked around and i walked around and i was super excited this day because i had my permission slip in my hand and they said garrison you can play an instrument and we're going to teach you this was one of the best days of my life in school and I walked around this gym, and I walked around it three times, and my teachers are getting frustrated at me because <laughs> they're like, would you pick an instrument, young man? And I said, you know what, this one right here, and it was an alto saxophone. I said, I want to know how to play this one. They said, great. So this particular alto saxophone, there was like four of them. I was one of the first people to, to say this one right here. So I, this was the one that I was going to learn. However, it would frustrate me because I would only have music one day out of the week, and I couldn't take the instrument home. So I'm like, I would like to expand on this in my young age. Under 13, I'm like, I, I, I want to play this instrument more. However, I can only do it once a week, and I can't take it home because the saxophone didn't belong to me. It belonged to the school. So saxophone was the first instrument that I picked up that I was like, wow, okay, now I get to figure out how music is made out of this instrument. And the first time I played it, it was like I was excited. I, was just, I just remember feeling joy and excitement and happiness because I was actually doing what I was interested in at the beginning, which was learning how to make music. Was, 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 I was now being a contributor in this huge world of making music. Wow. And... Um, I said, okay, great. And, you know, I was getting frustrated early in, in my creativity part because my father has this huge array of music that he would play. My father still, to this day, he plays music all the time. And so at a young age, I wanted to play music like I heard. My father uh, played music in the house like Andre Crouch and the Winans and 
commissioned and the Clark sisters and on and on and on and on and on. And every time he would play these albums, I would hear the saxophone in it. And I'm going, I want to do that. But here I'm at the school learning how to play Mary Had a Little Lamb. And I'm like, y'all is not helping me with this moment (laughs) of my life. The brother on the record is playing the so-and-so and and I'm playing Mary Had. Okay, this is frustrating. I don't want to play the saxophone anymore real soon. So... Again, one Christmas, my, my, my father's mother, my grandmother, said, well, Garrison, I, since I see that you are serious, I'm going to buy you a saxophone, which was a big deal, a huge deal. Yes. Because even to this day, after I figured out how much my grandmother paid for this saxophone, Ooh, yes. I said, even, I mean, 2014, that's an expensive piece of instrument. Yes. And, and, and she brought it for me, and I got it home. And it was just playing saxophone all day long, yes. all day long, and all day long. And it was it was me taking the cassettes that my father gave me and me playing this music and me attempting to mimic what I heard. And it didn't frustrate me if I didn't get it right the first time. I would just play it again, play it again. And I, my attempt is to mimic what I heard. So that's like the beginning stages of of how I got introduced and wanted to start doing music. Wow. That is so awesome. Wow. Amazing. Amazing. So as you begin to add different well, how many instruments do you play at to date to date? And give us a little bit of history of how you were um, how you began to play each of these instruments? After saxophone, I moved over to piano. My grandmother, again, uh, somebody was throwing out a piano, I mean a very old piano, and uh, she said, well, she knew that my sister was learning how to play piano, so let's let's get her a piano so that she can learn how to play piano. Well, my sister quickly got bored with, with the piano because it, it wasn't challenging her, and that's how my sister is. After the challenge is gone and she's figured out how that something is done, she just quickly moves on. Well, I was enjoying the saxophone, and I said I want to add something else. So when my sister wasn't playing the piano, I would just get on the piano and start to play and start to play, and I'm just moving up and down the keys, nothing deep, nothing mysterious. So after I did the piano for some time um, and started doing lessons and everything that was a part of the lessons and so on and so forth, I I didn't actually grab a hold of my next instrument until many, many, many years later. Even though I, I was greatly blessed to be in a church that I grew up in where music was one of the main foundations of what made this church this place to go. So every Sunday the, the stage was filled with musicians playing all different kinds of instruments, and I was singing and saxophone and piano until I turned about 16 years old, and at 16 I picked up the drums. And I picked up the drums mainly out of a necessity because the church I was going to, at this time I had moved from Jersey to Phoenix, and this particular church um, did not have a drummer, and they wanted a drummer, and I said, I do okay, because I watched enough drummers growing up to know what to do and what not to do, (laughs) and so I started playing drums. Wow. And after I started playing drums, I picked up the percussion. And mostly every instrument that I was attracted to, I 
And this, this was the part that always scared me. I shouldn't have just scared me. I was fearful of it because I didn't know where it was coming from. It just, it just came out of me. I would pick up an instrument for the first time, and I would start to play it, mainly because of what I saw and who I was around. So if I saw a person playing a particular instrument and I was around them long enough, I sponged enough of what they were doing so that when I picked up the instrument, I would start to do it. And that's the part that began to freak me out because I'm like, I've never touched this instrument before. However, I'm playing it well enough to be around other musicians to make a sound, to make music. And after, you know, percussion, I picked up the guitar. So as of this moment, uh, it's, it's five instruments that I play well. Um, one instrument that I play, in my opinion, the best out of all, which is keyboard. And even though I started to play piano and learned on the piano, my, um, my passion right now is to play keyboard. And anybody who's a keyboard player, it's not necessarily just playing the piano, but anybody who's into Herbie Hancock and Chick Corea and, and folks that play the, the electronic synthetic side of, of keyboard playing, that's the part that I'm attracted to, but... That's another subject matter for another wow. time. Wow, wow. I'm sitting here, and I mean, although I'm your mother, um, I had three other children in my own life. I didn't know all the specifics about your story, and that's why I was really exciting, excited about interviewing you again to have you talk about those um, little tiny details about your journey as a child prodigy and as a musician. And so, wow, thank you so much for sharing that information. So we're going to kind of switch over a little bit. We're going to play a little bit of your music that you've recorded, um, you created, and then we're going to come back and talk a little bit about um, about um, some more things. We're going to talk about the unspoken experience.
Okay, well, that was a piece that you created called Talking to Me, and um, wow, fascinating, different. I mean, wow, just so many layers to that piece. So we just want to go right into how the unspoken experience was birthed. We're going to just jump a few years ahead and go into the um, you as a producer and a writer and all the things. Um, you can just tell the audience what it is you do with music and then go into the unspoken experience conversation and how that came about and how what are you doing now uh, with the unspoken experience. Okay. Uh, what I'm doing with music as of this moment um it's it's pretty it's it's vast as in uh it's spread out you know i'm not just doing one particular thing um i am constantly creating music there are sources of inspiration and from those sources of inf- of inspiration i'm creating music my goal is to have the world listen to my music and for them to enjoy it, and for there to be healing and change after they listen to it. Yes, a big call order indeed, <laughs> and without God it is not going to be possible to fulfill all of it. Wow. Um, the unspoken experience was birthed out of, well, first of all, the music itself was birthed out of me not having a whole lot to do in my life at the time. I the the equipment that I had when I moved back to Arizona because there was a time when I graduated high school in '96, went uh, went back to Jersey for some years, came back to Arizona in 2000, uh, yeah, in 2001, and at the time I uh, was living with my two sisters. Um, I uh, was working and outside of work and church. My life was, was uh, there wasn't a whole lot going on in my life. So with the equipment that I could bring with me on, an, on the plane when I got here, I just began to make music. And whenever I felt inspired, whenever I was feeling a certain kind of way about myself, about my life and my situation, I would create these, these pieces of music. And I am a person that thrives off of accomplishment. Wow. Um, accomplishment is very, very important to me. Mm-hmm. It's it is what fuels me. It it propels me. It motivates me. So accomplishment is very important. So as I begin to accomplish one piece of music, I would move on to the next. I didn't put any titles to any of this. I would just <laughs> I would just make the music, record it, and I would shelf it. Well, about two years later, my mother moved from Jersey to Phoenix. And I still didn't. I didn't share this music with anybody. I just, I just kept it to myself because it wasn't my goal. It wasn't what, what I was looking to do in life. Not this kind of music. My goal was to be a part of a band and be a part of this and part of that. So, you know, it was just my private time. I would make this music. Several years later, um, I had enough guts to start sharing the music with. And the one person that I knew that I could share the music with was my mom. And she would give me a very clear and precise um, understanding and opinion about what she heard. 
And yes, even though she's my mother, and she could very well pat me on the head and say, oh, baby, this was so sweet and nice, <laughs> I knew that my mother would keep it real. Like, Garrison, this music sucks. Go find something else to do. Or this music is fantastic. You need to continue to pursue it. I knew I would get that out of her. Oh, I, I knew, I knew, I knew it. So I, I shared the music. At the time, again, I didn't have any title or anything of this nature. I had eight to ten pieces of this music that I had that had the opportunity to burn on CD. I said, Moms, I got some music. Listen to it. Be with it. If you want to share it with maybe one or two people that you know, but not too many, I just need your opinion. Tell me what you think about this music. So about two weeks went by, and I had a day off, and she said, you know, come here, I, I need to talk to you. At the, t- at the time, uh, we were sharing an apartment together. And she said, I, I really need to talk to you. And I said, what's going on? She said, this music that you've created, tell me about it. And I just told her the same story that I'm telling you right now. And she was like, this is, there, there's something here. This music is amazing. It, 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 it does things. And at the at the moment she started talking, my eyes glazed over, and I'm like, all right, moms, that's sweet. You go over here, giving your son some encouragement. Tell me that this music is. She said, no, I let two other people listen to this music that I know and trust, and they know you, and they love what they heard. I'm like, really? Okay, so I said, well, hold on a second. I got more. She said, you got more. So <laughs> I ran in my bedroom and I pulled out two other CDs, and I said, here, here's here's two more. Just go ahead, listen to it, and give me some for real feedback. Because if this is a waste of my time, I'm selling my equipment and I'm moving on. This is just not cool. I'm going to go do something else in life. And, and she listened to him, and she was like, she got back to me this time in three days. She said, oh, my God, Garrison, this is huge. What do you call this music? I'm like, I don't know. It's music. I just, it's pieces of music that I've created yes. for years and years and years. And I don't know what it's called. Well, it happened so right around that time that we were going to a church, and at the time the church was beginning to uh, have a men's prayer breakfast type of ministry. And my mother had been bugging me for weeks. You need to go down there, be with the men, you know, be around the men, be with the men. I'm like, all right, lady, fine, whatever, to get you to be quiet, I'm going to this breakfast that i got to be up at the crack of dawn with. (laughs) This food better be good, and Jesus better show up at this breakfast because it is 7 o'clock in the morning. So I went, the food was good, Jesus did show up, so I was pleased. So I said, all right. As I'm driving home, I'm already thinking to myself, she is going to ask me about how this breakfast went, and I need to give her an answer. And I just can't give her a regular answer like, oh, it was fine, it was cool, because my mom is not a regular person. You know, this is the woman that started the love journey and all this other stuff, so, you know, she got this deep and mysterious way about her, so I need to go ahead and give her a deep and mysterious answer. So I walk in the door, making my way to my bedroom, because I don't want to be bothered, and she says, hey! I'm like, yes. So... How was the breakfast? And I looked at her and I said, you know what, Mom, the, the food was good. You know, talking to the men was great, and it was just it was something interesting. And, and the, the the word was good and prayer and everything, Mom. It was like a it was like an unspoken experience. And I walked away thinking that this would get her to be quiet and <laughs> leave me alone about this particular day. And she said, Oh my God! 
oh, my God. And she runs to go grab a pen and a paper and says, what did you just say? I said it was like an unspoken experience. And she wrote it down. She said, you need to do something with that. I need to do something with what? That 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 phrase, unspoken experience. Did you just feel that? Wasn't that powerful? <laughs> it was all right, yeah, whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, whatever. And about an hour later, I walked out the room and I said, um, Mom, I think I have a title or a or a, a umbrella something for that music that you've been listening to. I said, it's. It's like an unspoken experience, and we both looked at each other because we knew that we was having a Jesus moment at the time. <laughs> and everything that had happened in the past was meeting up with my present and setting up my future. And I was like, yes, because it's instrumental music, and it doesn't have any words to it. And when people listen to it, they're experiencing something that they've never experienced before, and it's unspoken and instrumental. And so for the next three days, we begin to work on it. And I'm so blessed because my mother has her marketing degree, and so she knows how to work on the marketing part, which is why she got the matrix marketing for millionaires thing and all kind of stuff, which came years and years later. And then we began to work and craft on this thing, and I'm like, I got a title for it, and I quickly called my sister, who at the time was living in Tennessee. I said, Tiffany, I got this idea. It's great. This is what it's called. Can you create some album CD covers for it? And she did. It was, and the ball just began to roll from there, and it's yeah. been rolling ever since. And there are times <laughs> where the ball is rolling really, really slow. There's a time the ball is rolling really, really fast, but the blessing is that there has been continued movement with that. And it, it, it has taken several years for me to even come to a definition because when people ask me, so what the music is called, I say unspoken experience, and most people say, well, is that gospel? Is it Christian? Is it R&B? Is it this? Is it that? Is it this? And I would start to give a definition of what it was. However, it, the definition of what I was giving wasn't fitting what the music really was. So it took many, many years for me to give a real great and clear, precise definition of what unspoken experience was. Okay, okay, okay. And so music. what we're going to do is we're going to hold that thought because okay. we're going to wrap this up. I want to play a little bit more music, and you're going to finalize this con- this interview with what that means okay. um, as you go into that. So I want them to hear a little bit of more music, a little more music about, you know, um, so they can experience what it is you do.
Okay, all right. That piece is called Inhale, and I'm telling you, I've listened to that piece many, many times, and I did. I just heard the the breathing throughout the piece, the inhaling, the the with the wispiness of the breathing, the the, the airiness of it. I should say, wow, what a what a wonderful arrangement. Okay, so now we're going to go into our final. Um, uh, moments of the unspoken experience. So, talk to us about um, as you were getting ready to go into the unspoken experience and how that um, finish that con- that thought, and then go into where the, the your radio show and how it's going to what you're going to do on your radio show and what um, people need to come and pay attention to, and we start to market and advertise your new radio show. All right, the unspoken experience, the, the, it's music for any atmosphere. And I literally mean that. It's music for any atmosphere. As I begin to share the music with people, they begin to tell me how they were utilizing their music. I had a dancer say that she would dance to it and she would teach dancing. I had a yoga instructor say that they used it in their time when they were having sessions with yoga. I had a person that ran cross-country and ran to stay fit. They used it when they were running. I had a person that drove back and forth from the East Coast to the West Coast said that when they were having a frustrating time on the road, they would put it in their music. I had a person who was a pastor say that they used it when they were studying for the word, when they were going to, you know, delivering the word on Sunday. I had people that were cleaning their cars, cleaning their houses, say that for some reason they would put on the music and it would just energize them to finish up what they needed to do. Somebody who was writing a book said that they, as they began to write book, as began to write the book that they were writing, that they found inspiration. Whatever anybody was doing, they put on the music, and it literally supported what they were doing. Wow. Now, as far as I know, with all the <laughs> schooling and knowledge and stuff that I do in my, in my own personal time and in what I've done in school, I don't know any other genre and kind of music that does that. Wow. Would let me know that this music was set apart and given to me by God because I wasn't looking for this. Again, I made this music out of a place in my heart when I was going through, when I was doing this, when I was doing that. I would get an idea or something that would just put this music together with the equipment that I had. So the music supports what you do. And the only way that you could really understand what I'm talking about is that you have to experience yes. the unspoken experience music well for yourself. And that is the place of where I'm at and what I'm going to be doing with the radio show. What I'm going to be doing with the radio show differently than what I did before, before it was just an introduction. And now that I have a better understanding of who I am and where I'm going, I'm able to dream with my eyes open and see the vision about where this is really going. I understand that this is more than just listening music. That this is more than just music that you put on to do whatever you're going to That this music is going to, and it has been, and will continue to help those that need help in their mind, wow. in their body, in their soul, and in their spirit. Mm. So this music is bigger than me. This movement is bigger than me. The unspoken experience is bigger than me, which is great. So that means that I won't outgrow it, <laughs> and I won't outlive it, which is fantastic. Oh, so. Uh, so, so the goal with the radio show is each time 
I have a show. I'm going to play a piece of music so that people can listen to the music, but more importantly, I want to talk about the music. I want to talk about how it's going to support you, how it's going to help you. I'm going to have people on the radio show that have listened to the music that I can interview and talk to so that we can begin to stir up, to get excited, to bring an atmosphere of joy, and to understand that there is going to be something out there that can better support what you're doing. What, now, what you're doing right now is great, it's wonderful, it's awesome. Garrison, this is how I relax. I relax by doing this. I do this by doing that. Now there's going to be music that will better support you. And I had to test the music. I had to test the music to make sure that, that, that the music was not going to compete or mess with what a person was doing. And they said every time they would play the music, they could play the music outright and put the whole ten tracks or eight tracks on, on repeat. And it wouldn't irritate them. Yeah. It wouldn't agitate them. They would put the music on and for hours the music would play and they're, and they're giving me feedback and I'm, my mouth is open. I'm like, you're kidding me. <laughs> Just said, no, nah, man, I put the music on and, and I was doing this and before I knew it, the, 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 it was two, three hours later and I was playing the same tracks over and over again, and it was just doing this and doing that. And I'm like, okay, if you if you say so. And these are people that I know and I didn't know. These are people that I had a relationship a relationship with, and people that I didn't have a relationship with. Wow. And I was just amazed that something that had come out of me was helping other people. And I said, wow, if okay, if this is helping this amount of people that I know, then I'm thinking what it's going to do for everybody else. So that's the goal of the Unspoken Experience radio show, is an opportunity for me to share this music, to share the experience with the world. And that's it right there. There it is. All right. So, wow, I'm excited. So, look, folks, this is Lady J here at the Love Court interviewing Garrison Glenn Rosier the third G three, the master musician of the unspoken experience. I kind of like to say it's kind of like a fusion of jazz and hip hop and and, and, and and Holy Ghost and all kind of stuff. I'm telling you, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful music. And um, look forward. Look, oh, I'm going to be marketing on Facebook, Twitter. Um, we're going to do some YouTube um, um, pieces, and we're going to be um, letting the world know about the unspoken experience so they can have their own, so you can have your own experience, okay, better yet said. And so um, thank you for being a part of our conversation, our interview. Is there a final word you'd like to say? I want to go ahead and end this show playing another one of your pieces called Africa, one of my favorite pieces. Um, yeah, this music isn't black music, it's not white music, it's not Christian, it's not, and, you know, it, it, it is music that will support who you are and where you're going. So I don't want people to think because of what it sounds like and what it's been defined as that it's a particular kind of music that it's not for me. It's for everybody. Yeah. It really is for everybody. And when you get an opportunity to listen to it and experience it, you will see that. So I think the best way to, to, to end on this is just to 
play some more music. So I play some more music, and yeah. when we start the radio show, you'll be able to call in live, talk to G three, talk about your experience with his music, and even make a request. He can come to some activities you have. You might have a, a, a some kind of function going on in your family, a family reunion. Um, you might be having something at your church. You're looking for a musician. You're looking for somebody who's just going to bring some amazing music again to create an amazing atmosphere for whatever it is you want, no matter what's going on, if something going on at your job. So even put this, music, put this music on your website, you know. Somebody click in one if you're a person of business and you need some music for your website or whatever. If you are, you are someone, I know his music has been in our offices where they play his music over the intercom. Um, not necessarily radio, um, <laughs> I should say elevated music. However, it's inspiring, it's a blessing, and we're just excited about um, this music. So we're going to play this last piece called Africa, my favorite piece, and look forward to our advertisements. Again, this is Lady J at the Love Court. We just interviewed the one and only Garrison Glenn Rosier, the third G3, the master musician and founder of the Unspoken Experience. Have a wonderful day. God bless you. We'll talk to you soon. Talk to you later. And um, enjoy the music. <laughs> 